Hi everyone, David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice with a news bonus on the charges against the Minneapolis police officers who were involved in the death of George Floyd and our question, why not first degree murder? Okay, so usually I don't say the date for these things because you could be listening to this on any day, but today it matters. It's June 3rd of 2020, and it matters because just this afternoon, in fact, just 30 minutes before recording this, the Attorney General of Minnesota, Keith Ellison, who is now in charge of the investigations and the cases of the officers involved in the death of George Floyd, announced some charges in the case. You may remember that at the end of the first week after George Floyd's death, the Hennepin County District Attorney charged Derek Chauvin, the officer with his knee on George Floyd's neck in that horrible video, charged him with second-degree murder and had not yet charged the other three officers. And today, the Hennepin County District Attorney had charged Derek Chauvin, the police officer with his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck, with third-degree murder and had not yet charged the other three officers who were present. The case was then elevated through a request by the governor to the attorney general's office, and the attorney general has now reconsidered those charges against Derek Chauvin and filed charges against the three officers. The charges are now second-degree murder against Derek Chauvin, plus the third-degree murder charge and the other charge that was also instituted against him. So three charges in all. And then the other three officers are all charged with aiding and abetting Officer Chauvin. So let's take this apart. And let's take that first big question I've been asked probably more often than any other single question uh, in these last few days. Why not first-degree murder? Why not a first-degree murder charge? After all, that's the highest and most serious charge in the homicide lexicon. Um, Don't you think that this case of the killing of a man right out in broad daylight caught on video we all saw him die how is that not the most serious kind of homicide how is that not first degree murder well let me run it down for you because i think that the right decisions have been made let me explain You see, when a case goes from uh, the police investigation stage to the charging stage, and a prosecutor, be it the local DA in a county, or in this case, the attorney general of a state, has to make a prosecuting decision, the foremost consideration is what does the evidence show and what crime does that evidence prove? Right, Because now we're at the stage where we have to think about not just what do we think happen? What do we feel about what happened? But what kind of proof do we have? And how can we make a convincing argument in a court of law about what charge should be the charge that the jury finds uh, on? And 
in that realm, we have to look at the available choices for a homicide, first-degree murder, second-degree murder, and so forth. We see different varieties of those crimes laid out in any state's law, and Minnesota is no different. For each of those varieties of homicide crime, first, second, third, there are often several different ways to prove each one of those. And each of those ways contains what we call elements, the elements of the crime. Those are the things that need to be proven by the state in order for a judge or a jury to say the word guilty. Okay, so every crime you look at will have a series of elements that needs to be proven spelled out in the very statute itself. So would first degree murder be a reasonable charge here? First-degree murder in Minnesota is under the statutory section 609.185, murder in the first degree, and here are the parts that would come to bear in this particular case. The law says, whoever does any of the following is guilty of murder in the first degree and shall be sentenced to life imprisonment. One, causes the death of a human being with premeditation and with intent to affect the death of the person or of another. Okay? So those are the elements causing the death of a human being with premeditation, some forethought, and with the intent to kill. Okay? Those are the things the prosecutor would have to prove. And why not choose first-degree murder here? Because there's going to be a pretty easy argument for Officer Chauvin's lawyers to make that he did not intend to kill. I was just enforcing the law. This man had been struggling. He was in handcuffs. Uh, You might see it differently, but that's what I saw. I was following the policy of the Minneapolis police, which allows the neck hold restraint as one permissible way to do it. You can argue I did it wrong. You can argue maybe I didn't follow my training, but certainly I didn't have the intent to kill. Now, people can disagree about this. I don't mean that that's right or or, or that it's wrong, but you give the other side a huge argument if you charge first-degree murder. It becomes much harder to prove. So I get the symbolism of wanting the most serious charge of homicide, first-degree murder. That really means something, especially given the outrageous circumstances of a state actor taking a life for no good reason. But the last thing you want is for a case to fail. Right? I mean, think about that. Do you remember the Freddie Gray case? The Freddie Gray case in Baltimore. Freddie Gray being the young black man who was put into a police transport van, very much alive, and came out almost dead at the end. Do you remember that the DA in that case in Baltimore charged six Baltimore police officers, charged them a little quickly, people thought, maybe with not enough thought. What happened in the end? Well, people appreciated that she did that, and then all three cases that went to court not guilty. And then she ended up dropping the other three cases. So what happens to the symbolism and the strength of a charge when all the cases fall apart, right? And you just don't want to do that. That does not serve any purpose. A kind of performance of the law is not really serving any interest here, I don't think, in the long term.
So that's why instead, uh, Mr. Ellison, the Attorney General of the State of Minnesota, has lodged other charges, and in my judgment, they are more appropriate than first-degree murder. Let me tell you what they are. The first count against Officer Chauvin is second-degree murder for an unintentional killing while committing a felony. Let me read you the description. This is right out of the charging document. Uh, Derek Michael Chauvin caused the death of a human being, George Floyd, without the intent to affect the death of any person while committing or attempting to commit a felony offense. Here, assault in the third degree. Okay, let me take that apart. I said there are elements, things that must be proven. Here they are. Number one, he causes the death of Mr. Floyd. Number two, he does this without the intent to affect the death of any person. So there's no need to prove intentional killing. And that's hard to do. That's harder to do than people would imagine. And then it comes while committing or attempting to to commit a felony here assault in the third degree, an assault on Mr. Floyd. This seems quite appropriate. This seems like exactly what he might even allow that he did. Yeah, well, I didn't mean to kill him, but you did, didn't you? Right? Second count, this was one of the original counts laid down. This is third degree murder, perpetrating a dangerous act and evincing depraved mind. Let me read you these charges here that Mr. Chauvin caused the death of another, George Floyd, by perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others, and third, evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life. So three things would have to be proven. Causing death, I think we got that. Perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others. That's the neck restraint. That's kneeling on his neck. That is inherently dangerous, and Minnesota and Minneapolis police are so trained. And then third, evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life. What does that mean? That's old-style language. It has nothing to do with being perverted or anything like that. It simply means he disregarded the human life involved. And clearly, he seems to have done that. How else can you describe having your knee hard down on a man's neck when he's pleading for breath and has stopped moving and stopped saying anything and seems passed out? Then there is a third charge. So I I think that one is appropriate, too. A third charge against Chauvin. And the jury or judge will have a choice as to which one of these is appropriate is second-degree manslaughter. So manslaughter is also a homicide crime, just like murder, but it is a lower variety of homicide crime, a less serious one, punishment of not more than 10 years, so it can even be less than 10 years. And the elements to be proved that he, number one, caused the death of another person, George Floyd, number two, by culpable negligence, Number three, creating an unreasonable risk and consciously took the chances of causing the death or great bodily harm. Let me take that apart. This is an unintentional killing, which can still be a homicide, uh, causing the death 
And then culpable negligence. Negligence comes up in tort suits, things like slipping on ice uh, that has not been cleared or something like that, slipping on a floor in a store. But culpable negligence, we we mean negligence that is so bad, it is criminal. It is that serious. And then it's all about creating an unreasonable risk certainly does that by kneeling on the man's neck for almost nine minutes and consciously took the chance of causing death or great bodily harm. So there's a risk that he, Officer Chauvin, has created by kneeling on the man's neck for far too long and then going ahead with it. Okay? So it's knowing there's a risk, having created that risk, and taking the chance at such a high level that it is criminal in nature. So that is second-degree manslaughter in Minnesota. All of those do seem to me to fit the scenario that we have seen in the videos. And for that reason, they're honestly better choices from a legal and proving point of view than is first-degree murder. I mean, my professional life, uh, both when I was in court and my teaching has been all about figuring out what are the elements, what does the criminal law say, what does the statute say, what's the appropriate charge, and then how do you prove it? My students will tell you, when I teach evidence, first day, evidence is about how you prove stuff. That's what this is. I think that may answer the question of why not first-degree murder as to Officer Shaman. But now, what about the other three officers? They're charged with aiding and abetting these very same homicide crimes. What does this mean, aiding and abetting? Aiding and abetting uh, are words that characterize a very special area of the criminal law called accomplice liability. Aiding and abetting means that these men are charged as Chauvin's accomplices. All right? We've all heard a lot the word complicit in recent years. Uh, you're involved. Well, in criminal law, to be an accomplice, to aid or abet, means something a little more specific and definite. Okay? Accomplice liability is what we call derivative liability. The liability, the guiltiness of the accomplice comes from the, the, the actions of the main actor. And the accomplice is guilty because the accomplice helped the main actor. Aiding and abetting are sort of old-fashioned ways of saying helping. That's all. That's really all it is. So what those three officers are charged with is committing the same crimes as Chauvin, but on a different theory, not the doing of the act theory, but the helping Chauvin do the act theory, knowing what he was doing. They helped him, therefore they're just as guilty. Uh, accomplices are charged this way all the time. It may surprise you to know that accomplices, when found guilty, are up for the same level of guilt in terms of first degree, second degree, whatever it is, and even the same penalties as the main actor. So say, you know, put your mind back to that horrible video. You see, for instance, the officer who was standing there, Officer Tao. He's standing there and he's basically keeping the crowd off of Chauvin. Uh, He's standing between Chauvin and the people there. Uh, How is that 
helping? Well, it helps Chauvin concentrate on his job, if you like. I hate to say it that way. But he's basically kind of a lookout, kind of assisting him by making sure he has the room to do what he needs to do to do he, Chauvin, his job. That's a form of assistance, even if it's not very much. Assistance is helping. Helping is aiding and abetting. So all three of these officers, they all had sort of different roles. I understand Officer Long was in back of where the camera could see, but he's holding down the man's, uh, Mr. Floyd's legs, and the other one is, has, has a hold on his back, and then there's Tao standing up. But they were all helping Chauvin. That's the point of aiding and abetting. That's the way in which they're an accomplice. So I teach my students when we do accomplice liability, it's just another way of proving guilt for the main crime for those who did something to actively help. Um, You wouldn't put an accomplice tag on somebody who was just standing there, not part of the police department, not doing anything, and not summoning help. That person has no obligation, I'm afraid, under American law to summon help. Um, But these officers were there to help and were all rendering aid in some way, big or small, to Officer Chauvin. Therefore, they can and have been charged as accomplices. Those are the charges. We will keep you up to date. We'll be watching this case carefully. Of course, you can you can uh, look to us anytime for the latest developments uh, in this case, uh, this hugely outrageous killing of George Floyd. Plenty more to say about it. You can always go to our website for news about this case or any other case we might be covering, uh, for other features, and for our interviews with the most interesting people in the criminal law sphere. Uh, Our website is criminalinjusticepodcast.com. That's where you'll find all of that. And we are listener-supported. You can go to patreon.com slash criminalinjustice to become a member. We thank you for those who have done that. I am David Harris, and I'll be back with you next time. Criminal Injustice is written by David Harris and produced by Josh Rollerson. Find show notes and past episodes at criminalinjusticepodcast.com.